0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, this is going to be an amazing hour. Uh, We have still to come Deputy Chief of Staff for Policy, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Paul Mango, who also graduated from West Point, was a member of the 82nd Airborne. He's going to be here to talk about uh, the Pfizer story from earlier this week, the vaccine, COVID-19, therapeutics, operation warp speed, and with these numbers going up, COVID-19 timing, uh, couldn't be better to have him. And then obviously in the second segment, Veterans Day because of his time in the military. But speaking of the 82nd Airborne, the Golden Brigade, the untold story of the 82nd Airborne in Vietnam and beyond a couple of years ago, still Definitely worth clicking on to Amazon or wherever great books are sold. It's author, award-winning sports journalist who has done much more than sports in his life, and, of course, author and, yes, a reporter that was at Desert Storm Boots on the Ground. Ladies and gentlemen, my dear friend and for many years co-host of the Coons Market Black and Gold Sunday show along with Greg Diolis, Mr. Bob Dvorak, an honor to have him on the Disk Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline. Good evening, Robert.
1: Hey, Rob. Great to be here, and thank you for uh, all the... Uh, things you do for our veterans
0: you know i still feel as though it's not enough and it's something that keeps me up at night especially when november rolls around so there's always more to do and i hope that i'll be able to continue to do it for years to come but on a different note only because i have you here and if you're a captive audience uh with me tonight is the steelers are they really as good as eight no do you think oh sure
1: they sure are
0: <laughs> okay i
1: mean I now mean, you I mean, i I look at it, and and it's obviously a different position. I'm not with the team or going to the games. I I see it from a distance. But, uh, you know, there aren't any, say, complete super teams in the NFL, uh, but there is a complete as any in, in my view.
0: Well, it's always good to talk a little football, but the real reason we're here, we're going to spend some time in this segment talking about your latest book, and then I want to talk about something near and dear to your heart growing up in Uniontown, the family connection to the military, but more importantly, you and I, baby boomers growing up in the Vietnam era, and why we need to focus on these veterans more now than other, because as it was 10, 15 years ago, the big story now is, as it was with the greatest generation, those dying every day, the same thing is happening to the great Vietnam War vet as well, but Talk about this book, and again, a great read. It's something that people can put on the coffee table and go back to many times and get more than they got the first time they read it, because there's so much to read and so much to learn. So let's talk about The Golden Brigade, The Untold Story of the 82nd Airborne in Vietnam and Beyond by Robert J. Dvorak. Go ahead, Bobby.
1: Well, Rob, this was a um, uh, a missing piece of um, 82nd Airborne history in, uh, in the sense that Nobody had ever uh, gone down, uh, back and done a comprehensive look of what the unit did, why they were sent to Vietnam, why, how long they were there, and uh, what the impact was. Lost 227 uh, uh, guys uh, in the 22 months they were there. Uh, but it was also, say, uh, a missing chapter of Americana. In the sense, we know a lot about the 60s and the, uh, you know, rock and roll and the radical social changes and everything else, but um, no one uh, had done a piece from the perspective of the guys who went to Vietnam. These were the guys who actually did their jobs, um, who thought what they were doing, uh, they were doing the right thing for their country, and uh, it just wasn't there. So my, uh, my purpose was to go back and uh, um, you know, reassemble the timeline, explain who some of these guys were, where they came from, and, of course, to remember those that didn't come back.
0: You know, when I think about the 22 months in combat and 227 brigade members who died, that's more than a chapter, and thus you can understand why there was a need to write this book, Robert.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, because, uh, you know, you want to focus on what was lost, the price paid, the price paid by families, uh, to remember those that didn't come back, but also uh, to call attention to how um, these guys were so bonded together in that uh, brotherhood of war, uh, they, they kept looking out for each other uh, in the uh, decades after the war was over and uh, uh, stayed true to themselves, stayed true to their, uh, their code, stayed true to their unit.
0: You know, you talked about, uh, you know, sometimes a scar has to be cut open again to allow it to properly heal. How difficult was it for these people who've gone on to do incredible things in the military and civilian life to talk about some of those memories? How tough was it?
1: Well, it was really, really tough. It's a, sort of a study in psychology because uh, when uh, they, when most of them got back, uh, uh, nobody wanted to talk about Vietnam. This is 68, 69. The country's going through all kinds of changes, new leadership and and whatever, and, and the war was— uh, something that nobody wanted to talk about uh, these guys just came home and tried to bury it uh, you know just pick up their lives and go on with it but you can't do that it stays with you uh, so they they locked it away for the longest time and then when they opened up and talked about it it was like uh, this is a great release this catharsis that uh, they finally got it off their chest and were able to talk about it and uh, I think that's important because you uh, uh, don't want to bottle things up and carry this stuff around with you. Uh, once, once you can uh, release yourself from it, you can see it in a, in a whole different way. And nobody should have to go through life uh, carrying around secrets. Uh, the, it, it was a basic acknowledgment of the sacrifice and service that uh, these guys uh, made.
0: You know, and I got to believe current members of the Airborne and people in the military, especially the the young ones who were headed down that same path of maybe a career in the military. And with the way our economy is right now, it might not be a bad idea for anyone of age to be able to think about the military for the next few years and maybe for a career because there are so many amazing things that can be had. But this would be a perfect book for them to be able to plug into a piece of our history that we don't want to forget about, especially those brave men of the 82nd Airborne, Bob.
1: Correct, Rob. And, and, you know, I've heard it called, um, uh, some kind of called it a family heirloom, um, that when you think about the uh, uh, 82nd Airborne created in 19, uh, the division was created in 1917 when Airborne in World War II. But this is a generational story, that every generation has its challenges. Uh, World War One, 25 years later, it's World War II. 25 years later, it's Vietnam uh... eighteen twenty years later it was desert storm and uh... now the post uh... nine eleven uh... conflicts that they're in so it's a it's a it, it, it's a way of uh... uh... when you read family history and say, oh well okay somebody had it uh... somebody had it tough somebody answered the call somebody did the uh... answered the challenge and uh... you know did what they had to do thinking um, uh... beyond themselves thinking outside themselves for a larger cause and uh... i had uh... Th- there are a lot of current service members uh... or recent um, uh... Yeah, service people who uh... have thanked me for writing it because they didn't know anything about it and said look i've always wanted to know what was so what was up with this why was this war so different why was it unlike any other war and it's a way to explain it. And you say, ah, uh-huh. well, uh, we can learn from that. Uh, we can improve on it. And uh, and we can go on. But nobody ever learns anything by forgetting.
0: The Golden Brigade, the untold story of the 82nd Airborne uh, in Vietnam and beyond. Robert J. Dvorak, Amazon.com or wherever good books are sold. We're going to come back and focus on Vietnam, the war veteran those that are dying every day, and why we cannot let that part of history die as well. Next, as we salute Veterans Day on News Radio KDKA. You know, I don't need a biographer to write about Bob Dvorak to know who I believe he is in my mind. And when I think of Bob Dvorak, I think of everything that's good. He's my guest now on the Disc Institute of Pitchman Newsline. I don't know. I think of a freckled-faced kid with an uncontrollable calic, a pair of bib overhauls, chewing on a blade of grass and jumping off of a farm fence and running towards the Hawaii horizon in a wheat field when life was just pure gold. And it was. Came from incredible parents, a wonderful family in a beautiful place that we all know and love Fayette County and, of course, Uniontown. And as he graduated from Uniontown, went on to Cal U, and then, of course, began to become an award-winning journalist and author. Never did you think the world would be where we are today, but especially how Vietnam unfolded in front of our very eyes on the nightly news, Bob, to where we are today, hoping and praying for so many of those men who never have been able to figure it out, no fault of their own, uh, 40-plus years later. Talk about the Vietnam War veteran and how... Today, they still, in my opinion, don't get enough respect and the not enough is being done to help them. What can we do and where are they now, Bob?
1: Well, um, yeah, and you mentioned, uh, you know, they're at the time of their lives, uh, guys in their 70s. Uh, you know, uh, we all have that expiration date uh, and they're coming up on theirs. And uh, there were so many of them that were uh, passing away and their stories were being lost that, uh, unless somebody wrote it down now, they would be lost forever. And, you know, that's just a total injustice, especially when you think of, uh, their s- uh service, what they did, what they were asked to do, and when they were, tr- the way they were treated when they came home was an injustice too. So, uh, uh you know, and, and this is a way to, uh, you know, balance the scales, uh, in, in my view, um, Vietnam, if you were, uh, uh, a baby boomer if you're a son or a daughter of uh, one of the greatest generation that was a defining moment of your life uh and it was uh but it didn't affect everybody the way world war II did uh you know everybody was involved in world war 2 because it was such a global uh event um this was supposed to be in a particular corner of the world and i think uh that they uh our leadership Lost sight of the fact that you can't, uh, you know, just try to limit it. Uh, try to uh, 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 manipulate war because war has a is a force all its own. It'll it'll take off on you. But this was this was uh, our generation's way of, you know, if, if our fathers did it well, we're going to do it too. We're gonna uh, we're gonna do our part for our country and uh, uh, make the world a better place. Doesn't always work out that way because it. Uh, turned out to be something different than uh, everybody envisioned.
0: You know, not to say that one person makes a difference, but, you know, you go back to the Korean War, and Harry Truman had seen the worst of the worst with World War II. He had the issue with MacArthur, fired him, was exhausted. I mean, here's the man that dropped two atom bombs. That weighed heavy on his mind, I'm sure. Korea never got a chance to finish. And then enter JFK, a police action, one would have thought maybe if he were to have lived, it wasn't meant to be. We all know what happened November 22nd, 1963. Lyndon Johnson, I think, was totally fatigued because of the amount of casualties building year after year during his administration decides to walk away. Richard Nixon gets involved as the time the war is winding down, Watergate would ensue. He would resign But by that time, we had people coming home, prisoners of war. The war was finally over, but still no clear-cut victory. I was talking to Tony Acomando, a mutual friend of ours and a Vietnam veteran, earlier, And the more that I put this pieces of the puzzle together, and I think of China, the state of our world now, and not the Chinese people, good people, but the the, the communist China, that government, how they have grown as far as the piece of the pie in the Asian part of this great uh, globe that we live in, especially places like Vietnam. We saw influences in Hong Kong recently. You have to really wonder, Bob. If we would have let those great soldiers in Korea and Vietnam give them the purse strings and the ability to finish those wars, and politicians would have done so how the tide might have turned differently and history that we're now living today might've been a whole lot different, not just for people in this country, but the great people that I mentioned from places like Vietnam and Japan and China. So do you have any thoughts about that? If we would have let those wars run their courses or got them over as quickly as possible, it truly could have changed the course of history. Could it have not?
1: Uh, Oh yeah. I I agree with you a hundred percent that, It was uh, uh, Vietnam in the context of its time was a, a war against communism, and you had the Russian threat in Europe and the Chinese in uh, in Asia. Uh, there had already been a uh, conflict in Korea, uh, and this was uh, you know uh, supposed to draw the line so that the no more of the dominoes uh, would fall. Um, the thing was that it uh, was a little more complicated than that. Um, that the uh, Vietnamese themselves were fighting a nationalist war. They wanted to unite the country uh, after French control. Uh, and uh, if you decide to do these things, then you better make the commitment. To, if, if it's worth fighting, then you fight it all the way. You, get, you, you, uh, you accumulate your force. You, you give uh, your fighting men and women everything they need to get the job done and you get this thing over with as, uh, as quickly and as uh, 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 violently as possible so you're done with it. And, uh, yeah, it could, have, uh, it, it, it could have been a whole different situation, but I also think, Rob, if, uh, if they had uh, let the troops there that, uh, uh, and, uh, and let them do their job, that we still might have troops stationed in Vietnam the way we have troops stationed in Germany and Japan.
0: What do you think about Afghanistan? We keep hearing that this president will get it done and bring these troops home. It hasn't happened. If you wonder if we're going to have any luck with the um, Biden uh, administration, what do you think about Afghanistan?
1: Well, that's a, that's a great question, too. And here's my take on it.
0: Uh, you know, uh, there had to
1: be an answer after 9-11 uh, for the attack on this country. And uh, because the uh, al-Qaeda was in Afghanistan, uh, allowed to operate uh, th- th- by the Taliban, uh, that, uh, you know, they had to be dealt with. Uh, the problem was, just a couple of years into it, and when they had uh, the perpetrator on the run, Osama bin Laden, they started to turn their attention to uh, Iraq, a whole uh, whole different area. And the reason they were given for that war was, uh, you know, so dubious as weapons of mass destruction that, were never found. So uh, you know, took the eye off the ball, they were unfocused. Uh it was the uh uh they allowed the forces that they had defeated in Al-Qaeda and the Taliban uh to uh, uh to resurrect themselves and I think we're paying the price for that now. Had had we prosecuted that war differently from the start and finished the job before we got distracted in Iraq, it would be a totally different situation now. Now, you know you got to you say you got to finish the job that's true you got to try to come up with the right resolution but uh you know not everything has a military solution either uh sometimes you're not going to win uh, uh something with a battle on the ground that it takes uh say diplomacy or statesmanship or uh negotiations to uh, come to an accommodation to end this thing uh it looks like a black hole to me right now. I don't know how we get out of there.
0: Listen, one minute left. What do we do to help these returning vets, modern-era vets? And there are many coming home every single day. Now, when there are no jobs for anyone, how do we help them? What do you think about that? One minute to go, Bob Dvorchek.
1: Well, yeah, I think, one, you start with you're by recognizing that these people gave up something for us. That's basically their motivation. Now, if they gave up something for us, shouldn't we be giving something back to them, acknowledging their sacrifice, um, making sure that uh, the wounds, the outer wounds and the inner wounds are healed, and to make sure that they've got uh, a path forward
0: in the way of
1: uh, education, jobs, and uh, uh, easing back into society. Because you've got to live with this the rest of your life.
0: Bob Dvorak, sir, always a pleasure. Thank you for everything that you do when it comes to the men of the uh, and women of the military have a great rest of your night. Okay.
1: Freedom isn't free, Rob. The veterans paid for it. Thank you for having me on. I really
0: appreciate it. The great Bob Dvorak, truly one of my closest friends and all time favorites out here at news radio, KDKA coming up, the deputy chief of staff for policy at the U S department of health and human resources sources, the honorable Paul mango will be joining us to talk about what's happening there with the Pfizer story, COVID-19, therapeutics, and more, and the spike in these numbers that are absolutely frightening. That's coming up in just a couple of moments, right after we check CBS Radio News, which is just two minutes away, FM 100.1, AM 1020, News Radio, KDKA. Good evening.